Good morning. One of the things that I really enjoy that we get to hear every Sunday is this idea of letting the troubles of our past week go, letting the worries of the coming week, setting those aside, and just being able to be present and worshiping our God. We so few times throughout our week get to take the chance to do that, and I'm so thankful that we hear it every Sunday morning we're here together. So I'm going to give us a moment to go ahead and do just that, for us to be present with God, and then I'll pray for us before we do anything else this morning. God, Heavenly Father, you are good, you are faithful, your love is never ceasing. Allow us to be present this morning, not worrying about yesterday or tomorrow. Father, I ask that your spirit would be at work in each of us as we open up your word, that we would all hear the words that we need to hear this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are spending our summer going through a selection of psalms from the third book in Psalms. And this can be interesting and a little different for our church because we're so used to just going through different books of the Bible, verse by verse, passage by passage, and chapter by chapter. And we're not doing that this summer. Last week, Austin preached on Psalm 88. I'm going to be teaching out of Psalm 81. And if we remember anything from our elementary school math classes, 88 comes after 81. Um, and so I think we can sometimes spend a summer in the Psalms and be a little, get a little out of the custom of each idea and each sermon just building on each other and getting to watch the flow of thoughts and ideas carry over as we work our way through one book. And that is not the case in Psalms. They're a collection of different works from at least six different authors um, but I don't think that's going to be the case for us this morning. Um, I think some of the stuff that Austin shared last week is going to really carry over into this morning. And I think our verse of the series, um, which we'll say together in a little bit, is going to be need to be in our minds as well. Last week after church, Amy and I were eating lunch at Scott's, as we do sometimes, not as often as other people here, but we do it sometimes. Um, and we were talking about the sermon, talking about things that had stuck out to us, things that we felt like we were learning from the way that Austin had taught. And Amy said, I really like when Austin preaches. He has a lot of really great one-liners. And now she didn't mean that he gets up here and does 15 minutes of his stand-up routine, um, but rather that she'll write down a note um, or write down a thought that Austin has had, and then she'll look back up and then immediately look back down to write down the next thought that Austin had shared. Um, and as we were talking about that, one of the things that had stuck out to me um, that Austin had shared last week was an idea that went something like this. Um, Austin had said something along the lines of, suffering is coming and we have to choose how we will suffer. We can either suffer with God 
or suffer against God. And I think we're going to see that idea a little bit, that we can either be with God this morning or we can be against God. There is no in-between. Um, our memory verse this summer is Psalm 86, verse 5. If you have it memorized, that's awesome. If not, it's going to be on the screens up front. So let's all go ahead and say it together. Psalm 86, verse 5 says this. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. I also think that we need to have this verse on our minds this morning because God's steadfast love is available for us to receive each and every day. This morning, our passage is going to show us four different disciplines that I think God commands us to practice as Christians. God commands us to rejoice. God commands us to remember. God commands us to respond. And God commands us to receive. But I think that our big takeaway, the big application, our big command from Psalm 81 is this. Be faithful in your remembrance of him because the grace of the cross demands every day obedience from the people who have received it. I'm going to go ahead and say that one more time to make sure that we're all starting off on the same page. Be faithful in your remembrance of him because the grace of the cross demands everyday obedience from the people who have received it. Now that we have a roadmap for where I think, at least, the Spirit's going to lead us this morning, let's go ahead and read our passage. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 81. So if you have a Bible, you can start flipping its pages there. If not, our phones have a great app, the Bible app. You can read the whole Bible in any translation, which is the tap of a screen, or it's also printed out for you to follow along inside of your bulletin. Psalm 81 says this, Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout in triumph to the God of Jacob. Lift up a song. Play the tambourine, the melodious lyre, and the harp. Blow the horn on the day of our feast, during the new moon and during the full moon. For this is a statute for Israel, an ordinance of the God of Jacob. He set it up as a decree for Joseph when he went throughout the land of Egypt. I heard an unfamiliar language. I relieved his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from carrying the basket. You called out in distress, and I rescued you. I answered you from the thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Listen, my people, and I will admonish you. Israel, if you would only listen to me. There must not be a strange God among you. You must not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. If only my people would listen to me, and Israel would follow my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cower to him. Their doom would last forever. But he would feed Israel with the best wheat. I would satisfy you with honey from the rock. We see the first command for us in Psalm 81 in the first five voices, to rejoice. 
Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout in triumph to the God of Jacob. Lift up a song. Play the tambourine, the melodious lyre, and the harp. The words that Susan shared with us this morning as we started to sing together. These first two verses do not say to sing and shout and lift up a song just if you feel like it. It says to do it, and verse 3 shows us why. This is a psalm for a festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. This celebration was one of the three major pilgrim, pilgrimage festivals of Israel. It commemorated the 40 years of wandering in the desert as well as the completion of the harvest. As one scholar puts it, the Feast of Tabernacles serves as a reminder of God's deliverance, protection, provision, and faithfulness. It was not a celebration that the people of Israel thought of to celebrate God. In Leviticus chapter 23, we see God tell Moses to have his people celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles beginning on the 15th day of the seventh month. God does not suggest that they observe the Feast of Tabernacles. He commands that they celebrate it. The same goes for us today. See, rejoicing in the name of the Lord is not a suggestion. It is a command. I would like to think it's part of the reason Susan does not say, sing with us if you feel like it this morning. She tells us to sing. We are commanded to rejoice in the name of our Lord. God commands that we celebrate him. He commands that we worship him. Some of us might be sitting there thinking, no, duh, Tyler. Of course God commands us to worship him. But do we actually practice our worship of God this way? Do we worship God as an everyday discipline, or do we worship him just when we feel like it? Because God's command does not say to worship the Lord your God when things are going great, or to worship the Lord your God when you feel like rejoicing in his name. No, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Some Christians today actually push back on this idea. They would say that we should worship when our hearts are in it, or that we should worship when the Spirit leads us to, or that we should worship when we feel like it. But if we look at Scripture, we see throughout the Old and the New Testaments that the people of God are to rejoice on command. We do this when we gather together each week to worship the Lord as a church body. We do this each year when we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We do this each year when we celebrate the birth of our Savior on Christmas Eve. We worship and celebrate and praise and rejoice in the name of the Lord because he is God. He commands and deserves our praise. I personally experienced the joy that can come from rejoicing in the name of the Lord on command rather than just when I felt like it this past Christmas. I coached cross country and track at Buckeye Trail, and this past December I got a phone call telling us that one of our athletes, Wes, had died in a car accident on his way to school. I spent much of the holidays mourning, asking God why, and just wanting to be sad and alone. But on Christmas Eve, and at church in the weeks to come, after Wes's death, I worshiped God because he demanded and deserved my praise. When I would start to sing, my heart was definitely not in it. 
but it would always remind me of God's goodness and grace. When worshiping the Lord on command, I was able to set aside the troubles and the worries that I was experiencing and simply be present with God. That is the command that we see in the next couple of verses. In verses 5 through 7, we are rejoicing. We see rejoicing interrupted to remind the people why they are rejoicing. The people are reminded of how God came to their aid to bring them out of Egypt. He relieved them of their burden. He rescued them when they cried out in distress. They are reminded of how God spoke to them, that God commands his people to remember him. He commanded them to remember what he had done for them. And as Christians, we must intentionally remember Jesus' death on the cross. For what greater thing could be done for us? What could be greater than this, that God put on flesh, that he dwelt amongst his people, that he overcame the very temptations that we all face today, that he decided to die the death that we all deserve in order to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, and then defeated death by raising from the grave. I sure cannot think of anything that deserves to be remembered more than that or deserves to be rejoiced more than that. In Psalm 81, we see God's people remembering how they had been delivered out of Egypt, but we are commanded to remember how God has delivered us from our sin. We practice this command through communion. Paul puts it this way, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When Jesus instituted the first communion, he said, to do this in remembrance of me. On this side of the cross, the command to remember means to remember the cross. We do this when we take communion. Taking communion should never become something that we mindlessly do out of habit. It should be practiced by Christians reflecting on the covenantal relationship they are a part of with the Lord because of Christ's death on the cross. But we also need to do it every day that we walk on earth. Because the greater thing, because what greater thing to remind us of our faith is not more misplaced than the hope that we experienced in Christ. We can do this by spending time in the word each day, by going to God in prayer, not just with our troubles and desires, but also to praise and thank him for what he has already done in our lives. We should have people in our lives who ask us hard questions and point us to the cross when we find it hard to do on our own. We should make time to be present with God every day, not just at 10.30s, 10.30 on Sunday mornings. But remembering what God has done is not where the commands end. Look at what Psalm 81 says in verses 8 through 10. Listen, my people, and I will admonish you. Israel, if you would only listen to me, there must not be a strange God among you. You must not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Action needs to follow remembering. 
God wants his people to listen to him. God wants his people to worship him alone. And God will fill the mouths of his people as wide as they will open them. The Feast of Tabernacles would often include the reading of the law. This served as a reminder for the people of God to obey God because they only had two options, to obey God or to disobey God. They could either be with God or against God. And the same is true for us. When we remember the cross, we have to take action. We have to respond, and the only appropriate response to the cross is to embrace Jesus. To not respond is the same as rejecting Jesus. We are either with God or against God. We either embrace Jesus or reject Jesus. We are either followers of God or we are not followers of God. Verses 11 and 12 show us that rejecting Jesus, rejecting God, is in fact an option. In verses 11 and 12, it says, But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel did not obey me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own plans. The people of Israel have shown us what happens when our stubborn hearts get to follow their own plans. They would reject God. God would then allow the safekeeping of his grace to leave them, and they would be conquered by their enemies. The people of Israel would not listen in obedience to God, and God would allow their rejection of him. They're choosing to live against God. They're choosing of sin over God to lead to their destruction. Until they would return to him, calling out for his mercy and grace, they would open their mouths, and then he would fill them with his grace. But this cycle ended at the cross. Romans 5.8 tells us that God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What we remember is not that once we turned back to God, then he showed his mercy and grace. What we remember is that while we were still against God, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. While we were against God, he invited us to open our mouths for his saving word. While we were against God, a sacrifice was already made to pay the price for our sin so that as soon as we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead, we might be saved. And this brings us to our final command, to receive. Because just like Israel, we cannot perfectly keep the law. We will fall short. But the grace and the mercy and the love that is demonstrated on the cross is available to us every single day. God continues to give his goodness and his grace to his people. We just need to expectantly be ready to receive it. We just need to listen to God and follow his ways every single day. God doesn't want his people to miss out on his blessings of grace, but they have to choose to receive him. Look at verses 14 and 15. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. 
Those who hate the Lord would cower to him. Their doom would last forever. The fate of, the, of their enemies would be sealed forever. God's blessing for his people are available forever. They just need to choose to receive it. God doesn't just promise victory over his people's enemies. He promises to bless the land abundantly. He promises a constant provision for his people. The psalm concludes with a reminder of God's strength, sustenance, and supply. If his people are obedient, he will protect and provide for them for eternity. We can be the recipients of his never-ending stream of goodness and grace. We just need to choose to receive it. We just need to choose to live with God, not against God. Because if we choose to be against God, we will be left to follow the plans of our own stubborn hearts. Plans that lead to destruction. Psalm 81 has shown us that God commands that we rejoice. God commands that we remember. God commands that we respond. And that God commands that we receive. We must rejoice in the name of the Lord. We must remember Jesus' death and resurrection. We must respond by embracing Jesus and living with God. We must receive God's goodness and grace. And we get to do this each and every day. We don't have to go a single moment of our lives apart from God. We get to live with him. We get to live with his spirit dwelling within us every single day. So remember this. Be faithful in your remembrance of him because the grace of the cross demands everyday obedience from the people who have received it. Let's go to our good God in prayer. God, you are great. You are powerful. You are God. Thank you for sending your son to pay the price for our sin. Thank you for being there to lift our burdens from our shoulders. Thank you for making your goodness and grace available for us every single day. God, I pray that we would live with you every single day that we would choose to receive your goodness and grace each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.